the sports stance. Hey everyone, and welcome to the sports stance. I'm your host, Greg, and we have another great week of sports talk for you. Thank you for joining us again this week. Let's get into it. We have everything to cover from MLB Hot Stove, which is already starting to heat up a little bit, like it went from low to medium pretty quickly. And no, it's not just going to be Astros cheating scandal. We already discussed that last week. Until more develops, until a punishment is maybe handed down, that's going to be put on the back burner. Whereas free agency, guys getting signed is going to be put on the front burner. We have college football rankings and how everything is going to shake out for Alabama now with Tua gone. Uh, Mello wearing the double zero for Portland, making his debut this week. We have, co- we already said college football, we have professional football. And of course, Paul's pylon, or a yes, I will be paying up on my bet and saying words about the Patriots I do not believe in. But what are you going to do? I stand by my bets. And that's just how it is. Let's get into it though. We're going to hit off with baseball because why not? When the hot stove starts getting hot, and it's only middle of November, haven't even hit Thanksgiving yet, you got to talk about it. The fact that there have been actual free agents signed for significant money is a huge deal for MLB this year. We all remember last year and the year before, pretty slow markets. I mean, granted, we had guys waiting on $300 million deals for over 10 years. I get it. Overall, though, big-name players looking for big money haven't had, you know, the quickest offers made to them, I guess you say. Big offers made to them. But we've gotten that. We've gotten the biggest one so far and the biggest in White Sox franchise history, which is shocking when you think about it because you think about all these big deals that teams have signed, all these the past 10 years, 15 years, money has just been thrown out like candy. Yet the White Sox biggest deal in their team history is a four-year, $73 million deal for who? A free agent catcher. That is right. Yasmani Grandel bet on himself last year, signed with the Brewers on a one-year prove-it deal. And what did he do? He proved it. He went out there. He showed, hey, I can do it. I can be an everyday catcher. That hits for you. And, well, the White Sox decided, hey, we need that. So he signed $18.25 million contract last year with the Brewers and went out and hit 28 home runs, drove in 77 runs, made a second All-Star appearance. He walked over 100 times to post a 380 OPB, which ranked first among major league catchers. He also led catchers in games played 153 extra base hits. I mean, guy, guy put up numbers. He did what he needed to do. To get a deal that he wanted. And it literally paid off. The White Sox said, hey, I know we have a catcher who's pretty good and has made an all-star team. That doesn't matter though. We're going to go out and get this guy too. And it's a smart move in the sense that you have two good catchers, which gives you one, a really good trade chip at the deadline if you need another piece for a team that might need a catcher. Because... Honestly, not that many good hitting catchers in Major League Baseball in general. We all know this. 
Like, I was a huge Jason Veritek guy when he was with the Red Sox, but he wasn't going out there putting up big numbers. But he was a phenomenal leader and game caller, and that's why he was an everyday player. He wasn't driving in huge home runs. Like, yeah, he had some decent seasons, but, like, no. Catchers, hitting catchers are like unicorns. A few come along every once in a while, and you have to pay big for them. And that's what the White Sox did. They paid big. So you have that deal. Then you also have the Braves signing relief pitchers. They got Will Smith, and they kept Chris Martin, two guys that are going to be in their bullpen helping out to try to you know advance further than giving up 50 runs in the first inning of an ALDS to the Cardinals. I don't even think it was 15. Whatever it was. No, it wasn't good. They definitely need relief pitching. And they went out and got it. Will Smith is one of the biggest arms out there, according to CBS's MLB free agent rankings. He's actually a top 20 free agent. So they got a top 20 free agent relief pitcher. Good for them. But yeah, so you at least have a few guys getting signed. I just named three of the top 50 free agents on the market. Pretty good. MLB, pretty good. Not going to lie. It's a hot stove getting pretty hot pretty quickly. Let's. I'm really putting an emphasis on my puh, seems like. Sorry for that. No, I'm not. I'm a, I'm a puh, or enunciator. The other big thing happening in Major League Baseball besides guys getting signed, guys getting cut. Specifically two guys were designated for a free agency by the New York Yankees. One, people have been waiting for essentially since a year after he signed, and that is Jacoby Ellsbury. Exactly. Who? I don't know. Red Sox fans don't know who that guy is. But in general, just kidding. We know who he is. He was the trader who went for the money. And good thing, because he just could not get on the field to save his life. Ellsbury is going to get paid $26 million by the Yankees to disappear. That is what's left on his contract. He had two years left on his contract. He was owed $21 million this year, and he has a $5 million buyout because of a team option for the following season. They're clearly not picking that up either. So $26 million, see you, Jacoby. You had a really, really terrible run in New York, which led me to think about this. Red Sox, Yankees, always big teams in free agency. Both have made huge financial mistakes in the past few years of free agency. Yeah, the Yankees with Jacoby Ellsbury, he looked good on, I mean, on paper and on the field. He looked pretty good when he was with the Red Sox. Base stealer, good, powerful on leadoff hitter. Comes to New York, dumpster fire. Pablo Sandoval with the Red Sox. Look good with the Giants. Red Sox need a third baseman. He comes over. Garbage eating panda. That's the best way to describe it. He put on a ton of weight. He tried to lose the weight. He couldn't play baseball. He got hurt. He, I mean, both were terrible deals. Both ended up getting tons of money basically for doing nothing. Now, Sandoval's still young. He's still playing for the Giants. He's like in his early 30s. Jacoby Ellsbury, though, you got to assume career might be over. Not just from he's been injured so much lately, he can't get on the field. But the fact is, he is 36 years old. He hasn't 
played in a major league game over the past two years, at least. He last played in 2017. He tried to come back, but he, I mean, he just couldn't. He, in his time with the Yankees, hit 264 with 39 home runs, 198 RBIs, and 102 stolen bases in 520 games over four seasons with the Yankees. In his first seven seasons with the Red Sox, here are just some of his numbers. 297 average, 65 home runs, not a big home run guy at the time, 314 RBIs, and 241 steals for the Red Sox. And he stayed on the field mainly. But over the past few years, he injured his oblique muscle, then he hurt his hip, then he had a torn labrum, like then he had plantar fasciitis. Just everything in the book happened to this guy. It's a shame, but I guess that's life, and who knows. But most likely, nobody will ever see Jaco- He was, You know what? He's the Grady Sizemore of the past 10 years. Grady Sizemore, as you all know, if you don't, great outfielder, had a ton of expectations, then injuries just completely took him out of the game. Like, just never could get past the injury bug. Had glimpses, had flashes of superstardom again, and just never could recapture it. Never was the same guy again. That's Ellsbury, in a nutshell. Then you also have Greg Bird, who still very young. Another team will pick him up. He just needs to also, as well, stay healthy. But the Yankees, as we saw this year, have a lot of next man up. Don't know how. I feel like that farm system was depleted forever. But they got guys like Voigt to step in now. They don't need Bird. They don't need any of these guys that are going to be injured taking up space on their 40-man roster when they have a lot of talent in that farm system and on that roster now. A lot of young talent too. But Bird will end up getting picked up somewhere. Ellsbury probably just won't. And oh well. Sorry, Jacoby. Like I, 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 nobody cares. That's what's going on in MLB. Again, we're not going to get into the Astro stuff because there's no, no really new developments. So why even bother? When we can talk about college football. Da-na-na, da-na-na. Don't know why I did the ESPN sound there. But it felt right. Yeah, it felt right. So big story in college football is not the rankings this week. We will get to those. We're not going to even touch on that much. Nothing's really changed. But the big, big thing out of this past weekend was the Tua Tagovailoa hip injury. What happened? What's his future look like? What does this mean for Alabama? What does this mean for the NFL draft? A lot of stuff is surrounding this injury and what it could mean for a lot of different people's futures, including the most important Tua's. His is the most important, clearly, because one, the injury happened to him. He's the one that could potentially be losing a few million dollars or maybe not even being able to step on a football field again. So he dislocated his hip. He had, it was a bad injury. Most people described it the same injury that ended Bo Jackson's career. One big difference, though, is the fact that doctors knew about this injury right away. They know he needed to have surgery, which was successful. They know that he needs months of healing and rehabbing before he does any physically strenuous things. And he's young. Bo Jackson, when it happened, they didn't know as much about this. 
He probably went back to playing way too quickly on it. And it deteriorated and made it way worse. And therefore, his career ended. All signs right now point to Tua being able to have a career of some sort and bounce back. It's just going to be a while until we see him back on an actual field. The question is that everybody has to discuss which field is it going to be? Well, I'm glad you asked. It should not be Alabama's field. A few reasons. First off, you are not getting paid to be at Alabama. You got hurt playing for free. I get it. You have scholarships. You have all these things. But essentially, he is not making any income to help with anything, to help him for his future. As much money as he brings in for Alabama football, he gets zero out. I get it gets the medical care, he gets the medical training and facilities and all that. I understand all that. But why go back and risk another injury when you're not getting any money at all? At least by going to the NFL and declaring for the draft and maybe showing the scouts and teams, I'm going to get healthy again. I'm going to be the same guy I was. I just might have to sit out my first season. Why would you still not go to the NFL? Because guess what? Even if he has to miss one full season, who's to say he was going to play in season one? Most people. I mean, it's guaranteed you're going to the Bengals or the Dolphins or some bad team that needs a quarterback. But at this point, no team is going to rush back a guy that is considered a generational talent. And the key thing being, contracts today for NFL rookies are much more manageable than they were. I think, was it Sam Bradford was the last big one where it was gigantic numbers being put out. Now it's more reasonable. You still might take two in the first round if he shows he's going to come back healthy. If you're a team that is desperate for a quarterback, if you're the Miami Dolphins, this is what I think about this. The Miami Dolphins, I believe, have three first-round picks this year. Three of them. They're going to be one of the top teams looking for a quarterback. They're going to be one of the top teams in the draft in general because their team stinks. I don't see the Bengals wasting their one and only first-round pick on two. I don't see the Redskins. I don't see the Giants. None of these teams that took quarterbacks in the past few years either are going to go after him. The Dolphins need to make a choice. Do we use one of our top first-round picks to take Tua, hope he recovers, and go from there? Or do we not take him and take somebody like Burroughs or Justin Herbstreet from Oregon and hope that they're good enough and have a similar career path trajectory that we were thinking about for Tua. Because obviously, with how the season has progressed in general, you also now have people that think Joe Burrows and everybody else have kind of surpassed Tua with how they've been playing this year. And I mean, they might be right. But again, Tua has been shown to be one of those talents. Because if he waits a year, this is the other thing you have to think about. Two away to a year. He goes back to Alabama. He risks injury. 
again, not getting paid. Plus, he comes out next year having to go into the draft against Trevor Lawrence. Another guy that everybody's going to be clamoring for. So you got to kind of pick your poison. Where do you think you might end up this year or next year? Because, say this year, you could end up in Miami. Miami stinks right now, but they could be an up-and-coming team with a lot of first-round draft picks that will help build that team out. Or, next year, you could end up going to a Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You could go to Tennessee Titans. You could go end up going to places that you may not necessarily want to go, but they're going to be quarterback-needy teams. So, therefore, they're going to be the one trying to get you. So, you got to weigh those as well. But in general, I honestly think the best move for Tua would be to go into the NFL draft. I feel like I said NBA before. I don't know why. Check the tapes. Maybe I did. NFL draft, though. He should go into it. Doesn't need to go back to college. Because I know one thing people are going to be like, Alabama has a great medical staff. Well, guess what? NFL teams should, too. Plus, in the NFL, you will have the ability to not have to be on a campus You can be in your own house. You can have your own house because you'll have tons of money. And you can still get a head start. You will have, teams will have that fifth year option. This is why I think you should go in the first round. If you're a team, you get one extra year of being able to look at him and figure out, is he worth it? Most likely he will be. We'll see how he recovers from the hip, but... The biggest concern I have, and everybody else has it, I've heard it before, I've heard this mentioned, two going into the draft, we can all see it, whereas he falls into the first round and ends up in one spot that none of us want to see, because we know if he ends up there, he will definitely be a first ballot Hall of Famer, pro career, all-star history book record maker, the Patriots. Yep, Patriots are coming up again. Can't help it. They're going to be coming up later. But Tua Falls, we all know it. He's going to the Patriots, and they're going to be a nightmare even after Brady retires. So let's hope that doesn't. Let's hope that doesn't happen. Sorry, I had a terrible flash of them winning like the next 17 Super Bowls. Anyway, so that's the Tua injury. That's what's kind of on the line for him. I think he should go pro. There are plenty of people that think you should go back to college. I understand both sides, but I think pro is side is the way to go. The college football rankings, though, they've come out. They have not changed. You still got LSU, Ohio State. Do you, Does it really matter who else? It doesn't. You have LSU, Ohio State. They're going to be battling it out for number one and two spot. Plain and simple. You have Alabama just outside the top five. I I mean, top four, not top five. They're number five. You have Oregon, number six. That's it. That should be the teams battling it out. Alabama's going to fall out of there because especially if Oregon wins out, they have a conference championship under the belt, whereas Alabama won't have a conference championship under their belt. They won't have even the college championship game, the SEC championship, to even put on the resume. Plus, now without Jalen Hurts, they, who knows? Their offense could look different. It could look poor. Maybe Auburn figures out a way to get in there and get a win when they face off against each other. Who
Who knows? Nobody knows exactly what's going to happen, but we do know it's a possibility now. Without Tua, anything's possible. He helps that offense run. And as much talent as they have in the skill positions, quarterback has to start everything and finish everything. I don't know if they have that playmaker now without him. But anyway, you have Clemson, who's also going to be in there. So right now, you basically can guarantee LSU, Clemson, Ohio State. Unless Ohio State fumbles against Penn State or Michigan these next two weeks. With Chase Young coming back, I don't see that happening. But you never know. LSU should keep running the table. I mean, granted, their defense looked really porous this past weekend with Ole Miss, or Ole Miss, Mississippi State, one of those Mississippi teams, putting up big points all over the field. It was a slightly concerning, but hopefully maybe it was just a fluke after a big emotional win against Alabama. Clemson should easily have a path to it. So then it comes down to Oregon, maybe Oklahoma after that dramatic comeback against Baylor, which 28-3, you don't see very often. I'm really surprised. Did Baylor relocate to Atlanta by chance? Are they in the state of Georgia? Because they're the only people that I know that blow that type of lead. Whether UGA, the Falcons. I don't know if the Hawks have ever done something that terrible. But Baylor, what are you doing? That's all I got to say about that. This is your chance to prove that you belonged. And you blew it. Not a good look, Baylor. You went down in Waco. Ugh. Skip and Joanne. Joanna, whatever. The people from Fixer Upper gonna be very disappointed in you. That's all I gotta say. They can't fix you up. Boom. Dad joke. Nailed it. Anyway, so that's the rankings. That's what I think is gonna happen. I mean, LSU, again, it's gonna be, it's theirs to lose. It's them, Ohio State, Clemson. I think they're all guaranteed in there. Obviously, if LSU loses to Georgia or and vice versa, whoever loses in the SEC championship game, they're out. But I feel like LSU should handle business there. And I think in the end, Oregon jumps four and five to end up in that four spot because Alabama just won't have the resume. And there's really not much else you can do about it. So that's college football ranks right now. Obviously, if things get crazy this weekend, it changes. And we'll have a lot more to talk about next weekend. But until then, that's all I got for college football. Not much else going on outside that dramatic comeback and the Tua injury. So that leads us into this week's Paul's Pylon, where I'm going to have to I'm going to have to say nice things about the page. Oh, it's a thing. Just take a listen. But before you do, Paul's Pylon is being brought to you by Seat Giant this week, where you need to go to concerts, sporting events. Anything that you need tickets for, make sure to check out Seat Giant. And when you do, use the promo code 12 ounce sports. That's 12OZ sports. Put it in, you'll get an even better discount at Seat Giant. Again, make sure you go there, use the code 12 ounce sports, 12OZ sports to get an even better deal on all your sporting event, concert, ticket needs. And that's it. And here's Paul's Pylon. Check it out. That's right. It's another week of Paul's Pylon with the one and only Paul himself. Because guess what? 
this man's not getting impeached like other people might be. No, no, no. He's here for the long haul. Isn't that right, Paul? That's right, Greg. I'm here forever. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if you're about to make a bold announcement to the world that I wasn't ready for, uh, or if your wife or kids were, but I'm glad. <laughs> Good to know you didn't go in that direction. It would have just, it would have been a big, I would have had to just cancel the show. <laughs> <laughs> that would have just taken over everything. You are too funny. I mean, impe- I thought impeachment was what was hot in the streets. Apparently, no. So I haven't watched the news, so I don't even know what happened. Well, I mean, it's just the hearings and stuff. What hasn't happened? He yeah, trashes exactly. everyone on, on Twitter. Yeah. We're not here to talk politics. We're here to talk about what this week, Paul? I think we're going to talk about this week in history of professional sports. I like how you think. You're the one with the topic. You should know for a fact. <laughs> well, I, you know, sometimes I just go on a tangent and I just go off on Twinkies, you know? That's true. And for all of you wondering, yes, I will pay up my bet of praising not happily the Patriots at the end of this. You are a betting man, and you shouldn't be. No, I should. I do quite well otherwise, except when I have to bet against the Patriots. <laughs> well, you think you'd learn. <laughs> the team, I got, their quarterback hasn't thrown a touchdown pass in three games. They've won two of those three. It doesn't logically make sense. Well, the defense seems to win the games. Anyway, you were saying this so, week in history. <laughs> this week in history. And, and Not bitter sounding, am I? <laughs> you'll be okay. It's Thursday. Uh, It's dwindled. If you're not used to it by now. You never get used to it. It's been 20-something years. Nobody's used to it. Nobody likes it. This shouldn't be happening. That's a whole other topic, though. This week in history. Are you driving the dock boat when they have the retirement parade? shut your mouth and just... Mm -hmm. You go. All right. Are you ready for this? I am. So history starts with birthdays. So I've got a couple of uh, famous birthdays. Okay. we have on November 19th, 1921, Brooklyn, <laughs> easy for me to say, Brooklyn, Do- Brooklyn Dodgers catcher, Ray Campanella. Roy Campanella was born. And I've got. Yeah, it was a tongue twister for you. Yeah, it was. Man, I was a mess there. You'll like this one. This okay. one's going right to tennis. Okay. November 22nd, today's our birthday. 1943, Billie Jean King was born in Long Beach, California. I mean, she's one of the greats. She was. Let's go to the NBA. Okay. November 21st. Taking your sweet time getting to these birthdays. 1966. Earl the Pearl Monroe was born. These are pretty famous people. They are. Pretty good, right? Yeah. All right. right. Next. All right. This one is one of your favorite people. November 21st, 1971. Is there 40-something? Is it Tom Brady? Defensive end. Okay, I was like, I feel like this is a joke. New York Giants, born in Houston. Is it Strahan? Michael no. Strahan. Oh. So He's when like you forty-eight when you when you watch him on Good Morning America or one of his other eighteen shows on ABC, you Seriously. can wish him a happy birthday. And he's also on Fox every once in a while, you know, for that silly little pregame NFL thing. How did he get that in his contracts? He, worked well, for he, he was doing Fox first. Yeah, I guess so. And they and must have wanted him really bad. Good. Getting paid. I get paid for doing this. <laughs> Got to fill the gap in his teeth somehow. Might as well do it with money. I like that. November 25th. November 25th, 1976. Donovan McNabb. It's that one I like. 
That's great the only Eagles. one so far. Well, he's a great <laughs> Eagles player. I like Billy Jean King. Billy Jean King was great. I don't have anything against Strahan. I just didn't like him when he was on the field. I tried to stay in the current seasons, but I do have to go to baseball. This week, Joe DiMaggio was born in Martinez, California. Nine World Series. Nine. That is impressive. He should have played two sports. <laughs> nice recall from last week. All right. Is that it for the birthdays? That's it for birthdays. All right. Let's get into some fun facts. A lot of people were born this week over the years, but those were the ones I decided to pick out. Seven something billion people in the world. I, I, I put money on it. Everyone everyone was waiting for their name to be called. Mm, yeah, I'm sure. Earl of Pearl was glad he made it. He is. He's turning us off now because he knows you got mentioned. He can sleep at night. All right. Should we go to our This Week in History events? Yes, please. Please get me there. (laughs) Thanksgiving Day. Nicely drawn out facts and birthdays. Thanksgiving Day 2012. The famous butt fumble. Happened. I think you should have sent it there. <laughs> I mean, is, how, how does the butt fumble come out first out of everything? Well, it happened on Thanksgiving Day. And this coming Thursday is you know, less than a week away, Thanksgiving. And so, late. so it is now actually coined the butt fumble by the NFL. It's the official game name is the game with the butt fumble. Yeah. And, and the butt fumble is, for Famous those who, who don't know, is Mark Sanchez in one of his... Line Multiple fumbles in the game ran square right into the posterior end of Brandon Moore and went fumbled the ball. Flattered his back and fumbled <laughs> the ball. Self-explanatory. And who beats the Jets? Yeah, we know the Patriots. Yeah, forty-nine to nineteen. Yeah, well, it was forty-nine to nineteen. It was twenty-one to nothing, I think, after the first quarter. But it was a mess. It's a mess down at the Meadowlands about every other week. So. Uh, I think you could say every week with the Giants and Jets both playing there. All right. Let's uh, segue into speaking of the Giants. How about the miracle at the Meadowlands? Are we talking? Which one are we talking about? We're talking about the Giants leading 17 to 12 with 31 seconds left. And they have the ball. All he has to do is take a knee. And they decide to protect him so he doesn't get hurt. And they're gonna run it. They're gonna run the ball. They gaff the snap. Herm Edwards runs it in for a touchdown. Yep. Beautiful thing. Thought you're talking about the other miracle of the Meadowlands, the Deshaun Jackson punt that also with seconds left, all they had to do was kick the ball out of bounds essentially, and they would have won. Instead, they punted it to the best punt returner in the league and runs it for touchdown. What did he do? He fumbled the ball, recovered it. And still ran past everybody and scored a touchdown. <laughs> Boy, you you just can't make those plays up when you think you're, you're there with a couple of seconds. The Giants can, apparently. Yeah, right? Doesn't matter who's on the field. Apparently, they know how to screw it up against the Eagles. All right, jumping back to baseball. Okay. November 19th, 1979, the first multi-million dollar contract was signed. Four and a half million dollars for four years to Nolan Ryan. He was the first. At least so. I mean, the man has a, I think, a cannon literally for an arm. Funny how that uh, the Houston Astros and uh, come up with all that dough. First, first big league pitcher to make that kind of money. That's chump change now. 
1979, I was sitting in a Volkswagen Fastback in line to pay for my know gas. What you were doing in 1979? Paying for my in the, gas in your car every other day because we had rationing. Just saying, and Nolan you know Ryan's what? making four and a half million dollars to throw a ball. Want to know where I was in 1979? I know where you were. You weren't <laughs> exactly. I was floating in the abyss of nothing. Of nothingness. November 20th, 1977, Greg. The flu game. Do you know the flu game? I'm assuming it's not the Michael Jordan famous flu game. No, this is one. this is the Walter Payton playing um, with a 101 degree temperature, running a record, then record, 275 yards in the game, playing the entire game with the flu and runs that kind of a game, 275 yards. I would have made sure he had the flu every week if that was the case. <laughs> Everyone kept kissing him. Pass it around. Yeah. Hey, we might play better. We might win. I think you're going to like this next one. I, you say that a lot. Not at November, I pick things out that I think you like. Yeah, but it also always tends to go either I'm actually going to like it or you're doing it just to rub some salt on a wound. The Bounty Bowl. The Philadelphia Eagles versus the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, I was going to say, what is it, the New Orleans Saints? When Jimmy Johnson at the after the game accused Buddy Ryan of putting a bounty, a bounty. Yep. on Troy Aikman and the kicker, the place kicker, um, and after the, the hit on the place kicker. So he was going to confront him, but Buddy Ryan walked off the field without shaking his hand in a totally classless move. Do you know, you, you know about Buddy Ryan, right? You you fill me in. Buddy Ryan was like one of the most hard-headed, toughest coaches in the league, like ever. Defensive-minded genius. He didn't like friends. He's he's essentially a Belichick before Belichick. Yeah. So it's not shocking that he walked off the field. Yeah, sportsmanship should be there, no matter you know if you had not, the win. Not back then. There was a lot of bad blood between teams more often than there is now. Yeah, and they and and that's why I guess they have to have the rules they have because they did put bounties on players and they were trying to hurt people. Bounty gate with the Saints. Peyton had to take a year off as coach. Sean Peyton got fined essentially a year suspension. I don't know how you let somebody like that back. I know it's like amazing. If you get caught cheating, you should definitely just be kicked You're out done. of the league forever. Spygate, things like that. Oh, what? It's That's not weird. on the did list. You just, did you just throw me your index finger? No, I was I was saying it's your turn to talk. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So you remember Spygate when the Patriots were caught cheating, Bill Belichick, you know, the camera and everything, stuff like that. It just shouldn't be allowed. They should definitely be kicked out of the league. Well, who turned on the camera? The guy Belichick told. It's kind of well, like I a, don't know if he did. It's kind of like you know, like if you tell somebody to do something, but you're the top guy and you tell them to go do an illegal act on your behalf. Is that, you should, should they be held accountable? You should be taken out of your head position. Well, I think you should go to Congress right now and straighten them all out. I should, I should tell them. Bill Belichick shouldn't have won the past few Super Bowls. He shouldn't even be in the league. You're right. Okay, payback, yeah. you know where that is. I know. All <laughs> right, I have, I, have, I, I, I have one more... This week in history. All right. November 24th, 1960. Wilt Chamberlain 
pulls down 55 rebounds and scores 34 points. In a then record, rebounds in a game. I still think that's a record. <laughs> and they still lost to the Boston Celtics. 132 to 129. You said he only scored 30-something points. Of course they lost. He has to <laughs> score 100 points. Don't you know this? <laughs> to beat the Celtics back in the day? Nobody beat the Celtics back in the day. They did not. Back in the day. That was before I was born. Wow, that must be really old. It's wicked old. That's before. That's They had round TV screens back then. <laughs> You're not very nice to me today. I'm getting my shots in before I have to do this punishment. Yeah, that's yeah, that'll come up. Yeah, should, I know. We go, should we go right to our fun facts since it's Thanksgiving in seven in six days? <laughs> were those last facts not fun enough for you? No, these this those is, were mild this facts. Is, this is just totally off the cuff because it's Thanksgiving. Do you know that Abe Lincoln actually proclaimed Thanksgiving as a national holiday in 1863? I did not know that. Neither did I, until I was reading up on it. <laughs> Look, we both learned something this week. So do you know where the first Thanksgiving was held? This is a controversy, by the way. I Technically, I'm going to say Plymouth, but that, I assume it's not. No, it, it, it is. It's, okay. it's officially known as Plymouth, America's hometown. By uh, the way, for those yeah. of you ever wanting to go see Plymouth Rock, quick advice, don't. <laughs> if you can find a pebble in your backyard... That's chisel, about the same size. Chisel the date on it, and life is yeah. good. That's that's essentially it's the most underwhelming thing I've ever seen in my life. However, the structure they built around it looks like the White House. Yeah, it is massive. Makes no sense. It's a Greek structure that is totally out of place. Or a stone you can't see half the day. Yeah, and when you can see it, it's underwhelming. It is very underwhelming. So in. 1939 and 1940, there was a little switch up on Thanksgiving. So it's always the fourth Sunday in um, November. And because Teddy Roosevelt wanted to improve the economy during the Depression era, he wanted to have an extra week of shopping, so he moved it to the third week. A few states adopted it. A few states thought it was a good idea. But overwhelmingly, Congress moved it back. This is my fun fact, by the way. Okay. To the fourth Thursday. And it's super late this year. Are you ready for my final thing? My final comment on Thanksgiving? Sure, before I have to do this reading in our final minute. Absolutely. Guinness world record turkey. How heavy? You have to guess. 57 pounds. 86 pounds. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Get that in the oven. <laughs> what they, what they stuff it with. What did, were they feeding that thing before they killed it? A truck full of bread. I don't know what you'd stuff in 86 pounds. Imagine you'd have to use a chainsaw to cut the thing. Imagine how they, tough it is. They feed the town. They invite everybody from like New York City to come downtown and just eat a bird. Have a bird. Imagine the size a, of that. Imagine the wishbone. You need a, you, you probably need a hammer to break that wishbone. Yeah. An 86-pound turkey. Jesus. That'd be frightening. The turkeys that, that run around wild around here. Yeah. Well, speaking of frightening, me having to pay up on this gambling bet of having to read basically 50 words or less in your well, words. And, and why did you have to do this? Because the Eagles lost, Paul, without really? their top wide receiver and their top running back, the Patriots. Okay. Just, you know, I, you got to tell the whole story. Yeah. No, I, I think people understood. In but, fairness, before I, you read that. 
I have to say. You're going to cut me off for time. I got, I got like 30 seconds. I was biting my nails. You're up. You weren't biting your nails. You knew it was going to happen. Anyway. <laughs> I must give credit to unarguably the best quarterback and coach. Oh, sorry. Threw up a little bit in my mouth. Coach in the history of football. Bill Belichick is a genius. Tom Brady is a god among men. And a goat. The goat. The best player of all time in the NFL. The GOAT Tom Brady and the top coach, in your words, Bill Belichick, are undoubtedly the best duo in NFL history. That really is... That's it. That's it. I'm, that's, luckily, that was the end. Ugh. You did yeah. very well. Thank you. You did very Ugh. well. Ugh. Did anybody else taste... You probably Ugh. have another year or two to keep saying it. You know what? I, th- I think we're done here. All right. It's a great way to go out, you praising uh, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. Yeah, you can, you can, you can go. I don't. I can't say anything mean to you. It's it's really not appropriate. <laughs> Next week we're celebrating Thanksgiving together. I don't want to make it awkward. That's right. We're having that eighty-six pound turkey. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hope it's hope it's buttered up. Imagine that thing in a butterball wrapper. <laughs> Imagine trying to get it to the car. Well, Paul, as always, a pleasure. Thanks for having me on the sports dance. No problem. I'll talk to you next I love week. when I get to pile on. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Way to, way to work the name in. All right. See you next week. All right. Bye. Bye. Paul's Pile On. Ugh. Let me get that. Sorry. I need a second. Get that bitter, bitter taste out of my mouth. Saying all those nice things about Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Ugh. Ugh. Okay. Anyway, let's get into some NFL talk now. We're going to do my must-watch, upset-watch, lock-it-ins of the week in just a second. But before that, let me just say, I should I should have known. I should have known last week, anytime, I, I, I got to stop picking against the Patriots. Even when it's my my team, team I love going against them, I just I shouldn't pick upset-watches. That's a bad on me. I should have known before I made that bet. Probably would have been helpful to know that Alshon Jeffrey and Jordan Howard weren't going to play. But that's life. That's just how it is. This week, though, I promise my picks are going to be good ones. My must-watch should be a great game. My upset-watch will shock you, but it is very, very possible. And then, obviously, my lock-it-in. Should be a lock based on one man and his ability to just take over a game. So let's get into it and then we'll, you know, touch on a few NFL, I guess, stories if you want to call them. Not much. Some of them might even be involved in these picks, but let's get into it. We already know my upset watch of last week. You don't care about my lock it in and my, you don't care about any of that. Let's be honest. It's a new week, new us. Let's just get into this stuff. All right, here we go. So, we will start with the early game is my upset watch. I'm going where no sane-minded person should go or is gone this week probably. The Cincinnati Bengals will win their first, first game in 11 attempts this week. Against 
the Pittsburgh Steelers. That is right. The Bengals get on the board, get that big goose egg off of it, and throw in a little twist. Andy Dalton will have to come in due to injury. And he will be the one that leads them to the victory and stays starting quarterback the rest of the season. Now, don't hold me to that second part. Hold me to the first part. Cincinnati beats the Steelers. Some simple reasons why. One, the Steelers will be without two main offensive weapons in Juju Smith and James Conner. What does that mean? They have backup wide receivers, backup running backs on the field. I get Samuels is good, but he can't carry a whole offense. He has tried. He has thrown passes. He has run the ball. He has caught the ball. I mean, he literally has tried to do it all. But he's still Mason Rudolph on the field, and honestly, I don't like him. I just don't. has nothing to do with the brawl last week. I just, even in college, don't trust him. I know we put up gaudy numbers in college. He was at Oklahoma State people in the Big 12. We all have to remember this. I don't think he's meant to be a starting quarterback in this league. He's going to be a backup probably for a few years at least. I mean, he'll be a decent backup. He's not a bad quarterback, but he's not a starting quarterback. He's not a guy that you want the ball in his hands in the final two minutes to hope something good happens because most likely it's not going to. That's why I think the Cincinnati Bengals win this week. The Steelers are shorthanded. If you're going to win a game, this is the game to win. Before you have to worry about getting to the garbage bowl against the Miami Dolphins, which, mind you, the Dolphins, who we all thought were tanking for Tua, have decided to reel off a few wins. They've got two. They have more wins now than the Redskins and the Bengals. Like, do you not want a top two pick at least? I mean, who's running that organization? Ridiculous. But yes, Cincinnati. Over the Steelers, that is my upset watch of the week. Next, we have my must-watch. It is Sunday Night Football. It is supposed to be such a good game. It got flexed in the Sunday Night Football kicking out the Eagles and Seahawks. You kicked out the Birds of Prey game for Cheeseheads and People Down by the Bay, where Jimmy Garoppolo goes. So you have Packers 49ers. It's clearly the must-watch game of the week. You could say it's the Cowboys. You could say it's the Cow- yeah, Cowboys-Patriots. You could say it's Baltimore Rams, which I will get to in a second. But Packers 49ers should have everything. Both have pretty good defenses, especially the 49ers. Everybody's going to be curious to see how Aaron Rodgers does against that defensive front and Richard Sherman looking like he did with the Legion of Boom, making plays, catching picks, doing everything that he does, running his mouth. you love to see it. The 49ers came back last week on a Jimmy G last-minute drive. They ruined Vegas odds. They made Vegas pay out big time, especially with that last Cardinals trying Hail Mary, lateral play, fumble, touchdown run. So 49ers and Packers go at it. I mean, clearly you expect good things when you have a 9-1 versus 8-2 team. So everybody can just go home and R-E-L-A-X, relax on Sunday night, and hopefully catch a really good football game. That is why it's my must-watch. You can also see a lot of running. I mean, for all we know, it's going to turn into the Aaron Jones and Tevin Coleman game. Both guys have had huge games this year. Both can take over a game 
on the ground. Like it's just it's a crazy concept to think in the NFL these days. Hopefully there's just not a lot of yellow flags flying in the air. That's all we hope for. But that is my must watch. Time for my lock it in. This one was simple. Plenty of games you could lock in. Plenty of teams that you're like, yeah, they should win by this X amount of points. But I'm going with a bit of a gamble. But at the same time, I feel pretty confident about it. The Ravens are going out to LA on Monday night. And I think they cover and obviously just win. Right now, the spread is three points in favor of Baltimore, the away team, against LA. Makes sense. Lamar Jackson has been playing completely out of his mind. The guy is a magician. And right now, the front runner for MVP. It's like him and Russell Wilson. Christian McCaffrey, I guess you can make a case for third. And then nobody else. Like, you have to go down a really far list to get to number four. That's just my opinion. We had the Texans and Ravens were supposed to be the must-watch game of this past week. Failed miserably. Ravens just steamrolled the Texans. I mean, it didn't even, didn't even look competitive for like a few minutes. It gave us like maybe five minutes of football where it was like, hey, this is going to be, oh, wait, there it goes. Lamar Jackson, MVP. I think they do it, though, against LA again. I think they just win. This team is feeling it. Their defense is looking good. Their offense is just rolling along. Nobody has an answer for it. When you got a guy who can run and is in top 10 in rushing yards this year as a quarterback, because he is a quarterback first, running back second, that is dangerous because now he can also throw and he's accurate. He's always been able to throw. Let's not let's not say he couldn't. He can throw it accurately this year. He's in the 60s for completion percentage. It makes it a lot harder to defend against that because you actually have to play the pass now a lot more than you thought you did. I mean, for God's sakes, people, Bill Belichick didn't have an answer for this man. Bill Belichick. That man literally has an answer for everything. Except Lamar Jackson, apparently. But that's why I'm locking it in. Also because Eric Weddle, story came out this week, has said he is not going to share anything about the Ravens and how they do schemes or anything like that to help the Rams because he is a loyal teammate and he doesn't feel it's right to let the Rams know maybe some inside tips. What? Eric, seriously? You have time to go on TV shows and do all that, but you just can't tell your team, hey, if they do this, they might be running. If they do this, they might be passing to help our team who is in desperate need of a win to stay afloat in the playoff hunt. Any any sort of advantage? Like, come on. Do you forget the Ravens cut you? Do you forget who's paying you now? It's the Rams. This isn't some weird moral high ground to take. All you're going to be saying is, hey, for the three years I was there, look for this, look for that. I know we need a win. I can't give you plays. But I can tell you, in these formations, this is what they tend to do. I know you can look at film and get that too. So you're not really doing anything else. All you would have to be doing is giving just more of assurance of what could be coming and maybe what to use against the defense. 
So it's just a weird move, Eric. But because of that, I definitely think the Lamar Jackson Ravens, it's their new band name, is going to run through you quite literally on Monday Night Football and beat you and the Rams by a minimum of a touchdown. I don't even think it's going to be a field goal. I know they're favored by a field goal. I think they went at least by seven. Because also the Rams offense is just, I mean, has not, it looks like they have hung over since the Super Bowl. Like, it's, they just don't look good. So those are my picks, though. Again, my upset is Cincy over Steelers. Packers, 49ers is my must-watch. And then lock it in that Baltimore wins by three at the Rams. So besides that, other things going on around the league, not too much. You have Matthew Stafford, who is hoping to return after Dr. Sodom. It'll be six weeks for his back to heal up. Stinks for the Lions, but they weren't going anywhere this year. Stafford should shut it down and make sure he's healthy for next year because the Lions were competitive this year. They didn't look too bad. They have two good receivers. If they can get a decent running back, they might be in business. But for now, no reason to try to rush back and potentially get hurt. Take this time off. Be Your family's had a rough year, Matt. Take time off. Just hang out with your wife. Hang out with your kids. Rehab. Just get better. Besides that, nothing else. Miles Garrett trying to see if he can get his appeals down. Not going to happen. They already upheld the one-game ban for Ogunjobi. I don't even... Yeah, I definitely just butchered that. And besides that... Nothing else. Antonio Brown apologized to the Patriots. Too little too late. I get there's people like, oh, he could come back to the Patriots. Well, guess what? Let him try. He could try to come back. It is going into week 12. He will probably be put on some sort of suspension list, the commissioner's list, whatever it's called, and wouldn't be eligible to turn except, oh, God, this is what's going to happen. He's going to come back. They're going to sign him again. He's going to make the playoff run with him. Just realize that. You know what? That's enough NFL talk. Don't need to keep don't need that thought to keep coming into my mind. All right, last but not least, let's talk about some NBA before we wrap everything up. So, NBA this week, we have a lot of a lot of different things I guess to talk about. The first being, did you witness history? Cuz I sure did. Wednesday night there was history made in the NBA. Do you know what it was? I'll let you think about it for a second. It's like Blue's Clues. Sniff out the clues. Wednesday night. NBA history. Sensing sarcasm. That is right. Ben Simmons hit his first career three-pointer. And he looked pretty good doing it. Didn't even roll around the rim. Just swished it. Like an actual professional basketball player who doesn't play center position. Hate to clue you, though, Brooke Lopez has a pretty good three-point shot, Ben. But it finally happened in his 172nd NBA game. Granted, he's not known for taking three-pointers. We all know this. He has only taken 17 before Wednesday night, and he was 0 for 17. Just boggles my mind still as a point guard, shooting guard, type position type player. He has zero three-point shot. Maybe now he gets the confidence. Maybe he takes two or three a game, and if he sinks one or two, 
look, you have a whole new area of your game to use to try to help you drive for a layup. All you have to do is make one or two three-pointers a game, Ben. And then teams will actually have to cover you outside the paint. And you will have a lot bigger lanes to drive at. It's amazing. So, jokes all aside there, good for Ben Simmons. Making three-point shots. Guy making millions of dollars. Doing what he should be able to do since he came into the league. Outside of that, you have Luka Doncic just completely showing that he is the Mavs one and only superstar. And that's all they need. Like, Dirk handed the torch off to the best possible person ever. He's just, he's taken over. He had 35 point triple double in 25 minutes the other night. That's nuts. He's 20. Wish I was half. I I wish I was like a quarter of that talented. Guys, just a monster. You have Carmelo Anthony. Now this is the big story. Carmelo Anthony. I like how I say it's the big story. It's it's big because Carmelo Anthony basically was shunned last year from the NBA for unknown reasons. Then he did the weird interview with Stephen A. Smith where he was like, you know, I I just just want a chance to play. Trailblazers finally gave it to him. Comes back, hits his three-pointer, does his patent three-pointer, like, headshot thing. Everything's right in the world. Happy-go-lucky. Good luck, Mello. The other big thing is LeBron James did actually make history. He has now recorded a triple-double against every single NBA team in the league. It's impressive. I mean, when you think about it, he's granted he's had a long career. But triple-doubles aren't easy, and to get one against every single other team in the league, it's pretty impressive. I think Russell Westbrook probably will get there as well, because now that he's on the Rockets, he has a chance to do it against the Thunder. He may have already done it. But if he doesn't, I'd be kind of surprised. Like, Westbrook's the only other guy, I think, in the league that could do it. James Harden shoots too much. Steph Curry... Doesn't have the rebounding capabilities. So yeah. Good. I mean, impressive for LeBron. That's all I got to say about that. I guess there wasn't that much NBA to talk about. Because <laughs> that's it. That's all I got for you. That's all I got for this week. I'm not touching on Thursday Night Football. I'm not going to lie. I didn't stay up for it. So I don't feel just talking about the highlights is worth it. So besides that, if that's it, if that's all I got, which it is, everybody go have a good weekend. Enjoy yourselves. Have a good one. I'll see you all this time next week. If you're listening to on Spotify or anything, I'll see you anytime, anyplace, anywhere. You just got to like, subscribe, download. Episodes come to you when they go live. You could listen to me at 3 o'clock on 12 on Sports Radio or at midnight on a Saturday night. Why you're listening to me on a Saturday night at midnight, I don't know. But if that's what you want to do, cool. I support it. But again, have a good weekend. Enjoy yourselves. Next week, I'm pretty sure I'll still have an episode even though it's Thanksgiving week. Maybe we'll do a Thanksgiving type theme. We'll see. That's all I got for you. Once again, my name is Greg. This has been my stance on sports. Have a good one, everybody. And see you next week.
the sports, the sports dance. dance.